0: Um, When you ask me, (laughs) well, uh, we're obviously recording, um, so I just want to take this moment to thank you for uh, making the choice to tune in to the Y Lab today, um, for taking the time out of your day or wherever you are to listen to this podcast. It genuinely makes me happy to know that you made the decision to share your time with us today in your car or at work or whatever you're doing, laundry, any place that you choose to listen. We're forever grateful for this moment with you. Uh, the y Lab exists as a platform to search for answers in others and we all experience a battle with negative thoughts and complications and stresses things that get at us and when these feelings arise we all have you know our own way of dealing with them so the y Lab is my platform to sit down with my friends and have face-to-face curious conversations and eliminate the devices and dig into and unpack the things that, and I, I can say, you know, candidly, David and I do this a lot anyway, so I, it's going to be easy to introduce my guests today um, in the Y Lab, but basically the, this is my journey, um, but also including the people around me that I love and I admire, that I'm in awe of, and specifically want to sit down and have this conversation with. So, with no further ado, I would like to introduce my guest today, Mr. David Zanette, who is a husband, a photographer, and a, an amazing outdoor and adventure photographer, uh, a very uh, a fit, devoted health and wellness uh, participant, I would say, and an overall great guy, one of my best friends, and I've known David for a long time. A very, I'm very grateful that you're here so um, thank you
1: no well thank. it's honestly it's a pleasure to be here and you know I've, I listened to your your previous series of podcasts get you it. know I'm a huge supporter <laughs> you know of all the things that you're doing and you know I I feel you finally have narrowed the scope down to something special um, you know so now that I'm sitting in this chair and I get to be a part of it you know rather than just listening to it um, I'm honored um, but my name is David Danette and you know, the, the introduction was kind. Um, and really just to, to simply just kind of describe myself in, in one phrase would just be, just rambunctious wilderness boy. <laughs> really no other way to put it.
0: Rambunctious <laughs> wilderness boy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that, that pretty much narrows it down. Uh, I, I have a, a spirit for adventure, as as you know, you probably know all too well as I yes, drug you on one of these yes, adventures sir. and, and, and kind of ill prepared you for it and I, I thought for sure there was absolutely no chance of you ever <laughs> wanting to go on one of those adventures with me again. Um, oh yeah, and we, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the details of that <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of just you know who I am, and we'll kind of dive into really you know the whys behind
0: why I like to do what I like to do. Well, that's, I guess will lead to specifically why I asked you here today because one of the things that I, I think I admire about you in your, your life in general and the way that you go about your own personal choices and the environments you put yourself in is your planning. Now you could put a lot of words in front of that, like strategic planning for your for your business. I, I didn't even mention that you're successful pharmaceutical slash bio med device representative manager guy. Um, but also it's it's the way that you're able to kind of look forward and plan your life in balance. Cause I know it's it's kind of an important thing. I'd like for you to unpack that a little more, but specifically these amazing trips that you can plan throughout the years permits that are needed to go and get them and also because you're such an amazing photographer in that environment what what's the like the pre and the forward thinking where you're when you're trying to do all that
1: yeah honestly that's a really good question and i get that a lot and it's not as simple as oh just i'm gonna randomly just go to yosemite this weekend and not have a game plan you know when you look at my work it's I try to, you know, create mood and atmosphere, and I don't just go to places just to go. I go when I know that there's weather conditions. Um, you know, for example, I'm, I'm hopping on a plane and I'm flying to Colorado tomorrow.
0: Is that, okay, and, yeah, I was about to ask.
1: And I'm not just going there just for fun. What was it's, it you called it? I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm going leafing tomorrow.
0: Leafing, it was the fall leafing or the leafing y- in yeah. Colorado? Yeah, so
1: <laughs> all the fall colors are epic down in, in Southwestern Colorado right now. So I, I went last year and, capture some amazing images. And we had some amazing conditions. Um, but you know, I plan these trips around, you know, specific events, whether it's wildflower blooms, or fall color, or if I know there's going to be a snowstorm sweeping through any of the high mountain passes like Sequoia National Park, uh, you know, I've got a lot of, you know, really interesting images from there, snowshoeing around the forest, photographing the big trees. And Yosemite, I mean, that is a very different place in the snow. And, and I don't go to Yosemite unless it's either thunderstorms, snow, you know, I, I plan these trips around these events. You know, uh, another example would be Patagonia. I, how many
0: times have you been there?
1: I've been there twice and exactly. I've been once in the Southern Hemisphere's spring, which is our fall. And then recently this past April, it is fall season down there. And so I went back, so I got to experience both sides of it. And, you know, there are two different contrasting landscapes in two different seasons, completely, completely different. Um, but you, obviously you can't just capture all of that in one trip. So you have to, you know, think about, well, what is it? What's your vision? You know, like if you're going to go to Patagonia, why are you going to Patagonia? What images do you want specifically? And then you have to curate a vision board.
0: And knowing okay, the vision board. <laughs> this is not the logistics side of you. This is the artist side of you. Yeah. So, like how who takes over at what time? Because you're thinking about composition of trying to get a picture or logistics and costs of how to bring a tent or a book a Airbnb for a day. or Yeah. Um like you kind of have a complex brain. And I guess that would be to dig in a little more. It's it's do you have control of that? Or are you just wired so neurologically muscle memory that you just sort of balance all that in one package. Well, what <laughs> are okay, you so, aware of that? Or am I? <laughs> yeah, no, there, there's
1: really two parts to that. Right. So there's doing this in a way where it's comfortable. And then there's doing it in a way where you just, you just want to make it happen. Yeah. You don't always get permits. You don't always, you know, for, for backpacking at the locations you want to be. Um, you don't always get a hotel in a national park lodge. So you have to be willing to make these sacrifices. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it it, it we sometimes you just got to go with the flow. But there's a lot of planning that goes into it. For example, the trip that you and I went on. Oh goodness. So just, we'll, here we go. We'll talk about that. Yes. So we knew we were going to spend four days, three nights out in the John Muir Wilderness, <laughs> Ansel Adams Wilderness, on the John Muir Trail, and that required permits.
0: <laughs> you just jumped right <laughs> into the. We had we are here at the at the now. I remember having a conversation with you a few times at the gym, and, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, and that was a great photo, and you would speak lightly and politely and shortly about a trip or two, and, like, Flowers, you should come sometime. Flowers, yeah, man, cool, bro. I love camping from Oklahoma. You know, we river camp. It's, we're glamping a lot, but we can't, you know. This trip... To begin with, I don't think I was really <laughs> prepared for what you had planned, which is, a, I guess, a great reason to bring it up here for a little bit, because um, at the end of the day, like even just getting in the car and driving up there and thinking about the road trip to get where we had to get to get off to then drive around the mountain pass was just sort of an epic road trip in itself. And um, I will say, that I walked away from from that learning a lot about myself and what I could endure, but also it was a witness to what we're talking about today, which is um, how, how headstrong you are with your planning. And again, were we the John Muir words, it was the Pyramid Lake? No.
1: No, we went up to evolution. Evolution Valley. lake, sorry. Yeah.
0: Jeez. We're way up at the freaking Muir Trail. This yeah. is this is like you can flip over and go on the backside of the Eastern Sierras. How far away were we from that?
1: Just right over the mountain pass. of probably a four-mile hike. And then (laughs) you're on the Eastern Crest. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was uh, was pretty. So how long were you planning that trip? I
1: planned that trip a year in advance. And you probably remember, so you have to plan around snow. So depending on the snow year, usually it averages between 300 to 500 inches of snow along the Eastern Sierras and along the Sierras in general. So you have to think, well, at what point are the trails going to be clear? You remember there was still a bunch of
0: snow Still a there. bunch of snow, we camped on them. ice. And there.
1: the reason why you wanna be strategic about that is because there are river crossings that you have to make. And you remember numerous river crossings.
0: Extra shoes.
1: Yes, and sometimes if you go too early, if we'd have been there a week earlier, we wouldn't have been able to cross that creek at Evolution Valley to get up. Damn. Yeah, yeah. so that would have been the end of the trip for us. So it was
0: up pass bar waste and, and ish. Yeah.
1: yeah, and at that point, I mean, you don't necessarily know if it's clear. I mean, I I have a Facebook group that I follow, the John Muir Trail you know, oh. Association, and there's people who give trail reports, but the permits, there's a limited number of those permits, yeah. so you gotta take a chance and so i booked it that last week of july two things two reasons why i figured the snow would be gone and the wildflowers would be blooming and they were
0: Both the, <laughs> the second part was definitely true and yeah mostly the first part
1: yeah right. so you know it in, in in terms of thinking about that you, you got to think okay well well if that trailhead's not available where are you going to start um but we were lucky we got the florence lake trailhead i'm sure you remember taking the boat
0: yeah, that was great. So
1: you have to make sure. What was sure.
0: that lake? That what was that lake?
1: That was Florence
0: Lake. That was Florence Lake.
1: Yeah. So you take the ferry across, and that runs every hour on the hour, and
0: half, you got, about a half hour, maybe uh, twenty five minutes. Yeah, it's
1: about a twenty five minute boat ride. But you have to calculate that into the the timing of your start time with your hike. So you remember how early we left? So we got up there around noon. Oh we got on the ferry around. God. Oh my god. Around one.
0: Making my feet hurt. Yeah, and then <laughs> you know, and then we
1: we we had a set number of miles, yeah. and it, honestly, we didn't get to the point where I wanted to get to. But it's not all about me and what I'm capable of. You know, I had you, I had Chris Whitney with like me. We had our
0: good buddy Chris. Yeah, so we,
1: you know, you 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 have to account for that, right? You know, so my vision for the trip was I was going to make it up to Evolution Valley where we you know, the beautiful valley that we ended up hiking through. We stopped and we had lunch on day two. Day two. Yeah, that, yeah, that was before that yeah. massive climb up to Evolution Which Lake. Which was
0: the monster.
1: Yeah, it was a monster. That was the monster. Yeah, right? so, you know, that that's where I was planning on us making it, but we didn't make yeah. it there. And that was one of those locations where I really wanted to photograph. And you're going to think I'm absolutely nuts, but I'm planning on going back. Of course you are. I got to have
0: that. Now, <laughs> to wrap up the Evolution Lake, story yeah the photograph that you got from there mm-hmm. now i remember we got to we were one side of the lake i don't know if it would be the probably the west side of the lake and we came in and we kind of walked around it maybe even the north side and we're going to set up camp just near the ice pack we went and jumped in the lake messing around and you you were off you're like okay i gotta go get this photo so describe like that little bit of time from dropping your camp off, walking down, and what happened then? Yeah, so
1: this is generally how it works. You, you, you kind of have a vision in mind, but the landscape speaks to you. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like I, I to do it. too much research on places and see too many photos, yeah. especially of these very special places that aren't really well photographed, because I like to come away with something original. And you know, one of the most difficult parts of landscape photography is composition right so how do you compose an image to where it truly represents what it is that you're seeing and feeling at that time so the scouting that's immediately what I I left to go do so I just I pretty much set up camp and just ghosted for a few hours and I'm like "All right, well I gotta find a composition for sunset and you know the clouds were beautiful when we first got there I'm like okay we have some really really nice clouds that are kind of storm clouds and they kind of are they moved away really quick and just disappeared. Yeah. So I had some compositions in mind, and I had to scrap those because the clouds were gone. So I had to come up with something a little bit different. And you know, I I, I found you're there.
0: You ain't going nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> it's so, like, you here know, there I am was with my gear.
1: <laughs> there was there was three different spots that I was yeah. really really hot on, and I knew that you know if one doesn't work out for sunset, I I have that as my sunrise spot and you got to think about well, well light is directional so at sunset the light is going to hit certain mountains and at sunrise it's going to hit the other mountains so you have to take that into consideration when you're composing your frame as well knowing that the conditions are not going to be apples to apples for sunrise and sunset um, so that's that's my approach but i'm looking for beautiful leading lines and foreground interest and you know, whether that's cool rocks or flowers in the foreground. Yeah. And then you've got your beautiful mountain peaks. And, you know, so, sometimes- So once you walk
0: into that place, sorry. Once you walk into that place, do you just let go of your logistics and how many miles and where you, where we're going, and then it's just envisioning and moving with that flow? So that, I mean, that is, I
1: I, for, I forget that I'm in the backcountry altogether. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, what mass setting up camp or, or worried about eating. I honestly, I forget about all that stuff. And I, I just, it's almost like a meditative state for me just to completely just disconnect from everything else, except for the landscape. That is the only thing I'm paying attention to. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not distracted with work thoughts. (laughs) It is just trying to create something special with what is given to me. The elements aren't always perfect, but the challenge of that is connecting to the landscape in a way where you can still capture an image that evokes some kind of emotion. And that's always the main goal. And sometimes you get surprised with things that that happen. For example, when I was photographing sunset, that, that deer that walked into the foreground of that image. (laughs) Crazy. I didn't, you can't even make that up, man. That is, that's still one of my most like, wow moments yeah. you know because it's just what's a deer doing up there at eleven thousand feet for one
0: <laughs> you can't even light a fire up there i like, know there's nothing.
1: And, and this is just random <laughs> deer is just grazing in the foreground of my image with the mountains reflecting and it's a really 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 beautiful moment that i'll never forget yeah you know and then in terms of weather conditions and light and mood um you know i was in patagonia and it's the craziest displays of light I've ever seen down there. And my wife and I were photographing sunrise and it was completely cloudy and it was about 60 mile an hour winds. Like we got blown over a couple times. It was just these really chaotic conditions, but yeah. th- the storm broke right as the sun was rising and you got that beautiful Alpenglow on the mountain. But what made it so unimaginable was the wind was blowing water vapor from the lake up into the air and it's Um. swirling (laughs) and if you know anything about side light and glow well it's not just the mountains that are glowing any atmosphere that flows in there that's cool the water vapor is glowing so now i've got this this beautiful atmosphere i i mean i couldn't even have planned that or thought that up in my dreams it's just i get the goosebumps (laughs) thinking about it too but it's just you just have to show up to these places sometimes and You'd be surprised at, at what will happen.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd say I, I wanted to remember something you said before you went to Patagonia. You said a lot of times I just try to connect with the environment. And you went into the deer story, which I was hoping you were going to say. But I'd like to take a pause for a minute and come back to that specific comment about connecting to the environment and maybe what you did in your youth and how you grew up and how you do that now. And we'll just take a quick break. Um, I'm your host, Michael Flowers. I'm here with my good buddy, David Zanet. We're talking about ad- adventure photography and planning. And uh, we hope you stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Flowers. Thank you again for sticking around and for making the choice to download the podcast. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. I would also ask that if you could take a few moments to go to your favorite streaming platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast, and give Lab a rate and review. It would mean the world to me again to hear positive feedback, but any feedback is welcome. You can also direct message me and follow me on Instagram. My handle is at manicflow, So any and all comments are welcome. Thank you again for sticking around. If you can also take time to rate and review, I would really appreciate it. I want some feedback and I want to be able to communicate. So without further ado, th- the back half of Lab. So welcome back to the Y Lab. I am your host, Michael Flowers, and I just want to reiterate why we're here, why the Y Lab exists. Um, It's an opportunity for two humans to sit down face-to-face and have an honest conversation, ask each other questions um, about things that we uh, admire about one another. And in in a time, in a state, in our environment that we live in, and are inundated with content on our devices and our television, what we want to do is be a part of the balance and try to provide some content wherever you're listening to this podcast that you can maybe relate to or resonate with that can maybe help you in your day or something you want to do. For example, like planning a cool adventure with people or your buddies or your wife. And I'm sitting here with my good friend, David Danette, uh, in the Y Lab, and you mentioned something before we took a short break about connecting to the environment. In context, we were talking about getting to a point where we were going to set up camp and, and you just felt free and in flow. And I wanted you to maybe expand on that a little more about not necessarily the cerebral side of it, but how does it make you feel when you get that sense come over? over you and you can you describe that you know i guess you know that
1: is i think it's it's different for everybody and you know some people have this connection spiritually to nature or, or or however you want to interpret that um you know but for me it really started off at a very young age i've always felt that like there was a connection with nature you know i i didn't have the video game consoles growing up my entertainment was, hey, go play outside, you know? So for me, it was just like, all right, let's we'll just take our BMX bikes out in the woods. And in the summertime, it would be <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to spend your summer with your grandpa in the Sierras. You're going to be out hiking and fishing. And that's really where my passion for the environment really came from. And it wasn't just about being out there, but I always had a curious mind about the processes of nature and Sort of how the environment works. What do you mean?
0: The processes,
1: like evolution. You think oh, about okay. plants blooming, flower reproduction. Um, you know, because yeah,
0: you love the wildflowers and, and the blooming season and the and the way that they color and the times that they color and yeah. the whole progression. What the process? What if causes you will? weather?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I studied environmental science and chemistry as an undergraduate at okay. Oregon State. Did as much field work as I possibly could because. I just wanted to gain an understanding about just how this earth works. You know, so I I take a piece of that with me when I'm in nature and I I see things, I find more beauty in simple things because I understand that that simple thing is actually quite special. If you think about, you know, the reproduction of flowers and you're watching bees fly from flower to flower pollinating people don't realize that those you, flowers don't, it. don't don't <laughs> don't reproduce unless there's a pollinator you know that's, so it, it's just little things like that 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 seem so insignificant but for me i'm looking for those things and you know up in evolution valley that's a very special landscape and being that that was my first time there and we're kind of connecting right back to you know that specific moment yeah you know it's you're you're thinking about the technical aspects of like okay well what what do I have to do technically to execute this image and the conditions are changing around you, but it's not just about the picture it's about what what is it that that, that the image is making you feel yeah. you know so that's really the the connection and it's so you. Know, you
0: okay. You described getting to go to your grandpa's house in the Sierras, college in Oregon. Remind me where you grew up again. Am, am I blanking?
1: I, I spent most of my... I'm from San Jose originally, and then I spent my high school and college years in Oregon.
0: In Oregon. Okay. Yeah. I, just always, I guess I always thought NorCal guy, and when you said Oregon, I was like, did he grow up in Oregon? Um, so you spent a lot of time... You went there to college, and then you hung out there? Yep. Oh, okay. So, and then you moved back to... I moved to LA three days after I
1: graduated from (laughs) college, yeah. So, it was, honestly, it was, I I just needed a change, you know? It was one of those where I want to challenge myself, and it was, like, time to, like, leave the nest and, like, become my own man. The nest. Remind me
0: how many brothers, sisters, I know you have a brother...
1: I have an older brother. Older brother. Yeah, and my my dad has married and divorced numerous oh, okay. times, so he's got, he's got a number of children. some halves. Yeah, he so got some there's halves. there's extendeds. The, yeah, all so right, there's all right. there's five others that okay. are that are halves. Well, actually, there's three halves, and then there's two. If steps.
0: I'm not mistaken, I think the actual permit to Evolution Lake was for the brother that didn't go, and I think correct we slipped in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that's how family works. Family first.
1: You know. Yeah, no, I know, and okay. and well, I I. You think about those trips. I'm not trying to do that big adventure, you know, on my own, knowing right. that there's too many risk associated with that, with the stream crossings, the possibilities of of having to navigate through snowfields. Yeah,
0: there was a lot of people out there. However, there's still it's not yeah people easy
1: terrain. People go missing out there. Oh, it gosh. happens. <laughs> it's
0: it's not easy terrain. Um, I want to move through the evolution piece, um, lake piece, and you said something about. Nikki earlier. Yes. And for those that don't know, David Danette has been married for how many years? Just celebrated my four-year anniversary. Just celebrated a a four-year anniversary. Congratulations. Belated. I know. uh, To your beautiful wife, Nikki. Um, And I wanted to tie in your relationship with Nikki to, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's her father who is also a photographer. So there's a lot of things that maybe you have learned and heard or... How does that relationship impact what we're talking about now?
1: You know, that, that's a really good question. I, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, both Nikki and I are, are landscape photographers yeah. and we absolutely love it. And it's like, okay, well, well, what came first? Like your love for <laughs> photography or was it, was it, or was it, or was it, or was it Nikki? You know, the, the truth is for me, I've, I've always been fascinated with photography, but never really had the financial means to really pursue it. Um, you know, when I would go hiking and fly fishing, you know, I, when I was in college, I, I carried around disposable cameras, dude. I just, I just wanted, I just wanted to capture the moment. Ditto. You know, it's <laughs> like, like this is just really cool. And it's like, I, I don't have a, a big boy camera. So
0: I made do with what I had, you know, yeah. back with film. That's when know? you go with CVS and Rite Aid and you get in there <laughs> and save your money to to develop like eight rolls of film from, you know,
1: it, All right. It, right i mean you know it's i still have a lot of those and it's funny too. to look back at those oh, and like i you know the, the fishing photos with my brother and i um
0: so he was a big adventure guy too did you get that from your you mentioned your dad or well you uh, a parent, you know or
1: just no it was something that i think you know my brother and i really it started really with fishing we loved fishing yeah you do like the and then in order to get to some of these like really cool, unique fishing holes or streams, you got to hike and you got to camp. So that's where all of a sudden fishing rolled over into backpacking. And that's how the two of us kind of married those two things together. And yeah, I always bring the fishing rod with me when I go on these. Oh yeah. Even though I'm carrying that heavy camera equipment, it doesn't matter. The fishing rod's always coming. Um, But but to get back to, you know, the whole, you know, the photography aspect of it, it was, you know, I kind of, I had a moment in college where I wasn't really as adventurous because I was just focused on school. Um, you know, where I, I would go fishing here and there, but not nearly as frequently as as I would, um, you know, while I was in high school and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but when I met Nikki, I found out her dad was a renowned landscape photographer, and to give him a shout out. And <laughs> Dennis Freitas, and he is. <laughs> Honestly, I I look yeah. up to his work. I, I when I first saw his work and his approach, and he has a studio in his house, um, you know, I was fascinated by it, and I was fascinated, but I I thought it was something that was impossible for for me to ever do. Um, and and Nikki, after you know, she wanted to follow in her dad's footsteps. She loved photography Always. as
0: well. That was her thing. But
1: yeah, well, fashion is her thing too. That's yes. another creative outlet for her. To pursue, but, you know, to fill that creative void, I think creative minds need to be creative. And, you know, (laughs) if you can't be out in the field doing photography all the time, you got to have something to fill that void. Um, So for her, but, you know, of course, she went on these photography trips with her dad when she was a child. So she grew up in that photography mindset. And, you know, even though she hated it at the time, little did she know it would kind of pave the way for where she is today. Yeah. But I didn't, I mean, I didn't pick up a camera Really, until a few years after and Nikki had already gotten really into it, I was just kind of, it was kind of her thing. I didn't want to step on her toes, and I was still intimidated but, by it, but I was going on all these trips with yeah. her and her dad, and I would just be sitting, watching, listening to technique and all these teachings. So, when I decided, I decided one day, I was 2007, I think, 2008, I just decided I was gonna buy a DSLR camera and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna figure this out.
0: Buy a camera. Yeah, and I and I did.
1: And I I from that point on I just invested in myself and yeah. you know it was That's it. It was yeah it, and it. I'm still investing in myself in terms of of constantly learning, learning new techniques. Even if it's things I'll never use, I just need to know what's possible. Because now once the as you learn more, you can actually take processing techniques and apply that in the field, knowing that you're going to process an image a certain way, you compose an image so that you can bring it back, knowing that you're going to make it because you're shooting raw, create, be able to create something special. Yeah.
0: Um, you like the post side of things as well. What's that? You really like the post uh, side of the editing. and the-
1: Yeah, you know, it's, and, and that, that's a, you know, that that's a whole that's, that's where the creative process in photography really comes in. I try to be as true and authentic to what was really there as I possibly can. Because if you think about a place like Yosemite and you go to Tunnel View, it's beautiful, right? right? It's an icon. But you have 200 people standing right next to you with similar camera equipment, all taking the same image. What makes you stand out? It's what you can do with it when you get it home. You know, so that's where that's where that's where the artist side, you know, really comes in. And, you know, I think about Nikki's work and and why we can really coexist because we go on these adventures together, but we have different visions and, and stylistic approaches. If you look at the post processing, mine is is really focused on maintaining, you know, realism and being authentic to the scene. Whereas Nikki puts her own twist on things and it's really dreamy and beautiful. Yeah. And it's she's not trying to demonstrate what she saw with her own eyes when she was there, but more or less the mood and vision she has for that location, a true artist, right?
0: Do you guys feel so, like when you go on the adventures together, you're still in the process of learning from each other? Is that why you still collaborate? Or
1: We do. So... You know, when when we plan these trips, we we plan them together, and we talk about, you know, the types of of images we're looking to create, and we go to specific locations that will enable us to fulfill that vision, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But I still learn from her, she still learns from me, you know, in terms of...
0: That was a loaded question, kind of, because I was... Sounded like, (laughs) you know, obviously watching her and her father kind of was your tipping point, right? To where uh-huh. you made your choice to buy some gear and invest in yourself, which I love that. That was like, that, man, if I can say anything to anybody right now that's listening, take that advice from Mr. Donette and invest in yourself. But at that moment in time is when you crossed over from the just a mentor and an observer to kind of a partner, In, in and does she see value in you going through your learning curve and learning from you. And does that, does it jeopardize your relationship? Like, does that, does it get tough sometimes? Like... It,
1: it, you know what? It can. And for when I first started, and this was one of the, the reasons why I was hesitant to really jump into this because, yeah. you know, Nikki was going through her own challenges with learning photography and trying to live up to her dad's expectations. And not that he had any expectations. He's a very kind and, and very humble person and shares all of his knowledge. But, you know, she was just having a hard time with herself and her own journey, hmm. and then you've got me trying to do my own thing, and there was a point where there was some competition to be completely transparent, but it was That's never human. like a hostile, con- you know, type yeah. of competition, but you know, I can kind of feel like, you know, oh, you're you're stepping on my toes. This is my thing. And, you know, gaining an understanding of what each other's creative vision is and how that's different allows us to coexist.
0: Yeah, and you said it. You know, she may have been going through some perhaps self-confidence mm-hmm. issues. Uh we all go through that and it it's a time where you know, you probably were able to expose yourself more as as your fr- husband and best friend than to be like, "Hey, no matter what we're going through, we're doing this together. uh, And that, I'm sure that was a very uh, good learning moment for her so that she's, you know, at a vulnerable place, but still you're going to learn a lot more together. Um,
1: Yeah. And, and I understand where, where the, kind of that fear came from, from her, you know, when you have someone who is a professional of professionals you and, are and it's a your perfectionist. Not, brother. no, no, not me. I'm talking about Nikki's dad. Oh, you know? her father. Yeah. Um, you know, when you have, when you have someone like that, who is yeah. like someone, not only is your father, but like a mentor and someone you look up to, you know, you're so nervous that like, is, is, is what I'm doing? I is can it, imagine. Is it even good? You know, so I think there was a lot of that. And then it's like, oh, well now, you know, Dave's trying to do the same exact thing.
0: Wow, that's that's intriguing. So she's got the father-daughter thing. Mm-hmm. Am I pleasing my parent? Yep. And then she's got the partner, partner thing, which is can can obviously you guys use it for the best adventure and education and knowledge together, but it also maybe comes at a sacrifice to other things and interweaves itself into any relationship was not easy. So. Man, she, yeah, I could see that how, you know, she's, she's also, and I'll say this personally, because I know Nikki will probably hear this, she's a very strong and confident person. And so to hear you say that um, about her being vulnerable, I think that's a, a really cool thing that I I think we can all resonate with. It's like, and that you were able to recognize it as well and and uplift and be a part of the journey back to where you guys are, which is planning these amazing trips And I want to ask one last question before we get into this final four round um, about this, which is uh, listening to you talk about, you know, you and Nikki planning trips together. I know that you also do things separately. Does that, does that, are you, does that something you talk about or is it just because you just go in different ways and that's just the way it is or be like, I need some space or how is, how does that work out?
1: You know, that's a really good question. And, and, A good observation by you to notice that I go on, you know, I'm doing certain trips on my own. We did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, she understands that there's an adventure side to me that's not just about photography. So I need to be able to go on these backpacking and fly fishing adventures where there's photography tied into that, where she's not necessarily included. And it's just not an enjoyable experience for her. You know, and then there's certain places, photography-wise, that I really want to go to that she just doesn't have any interest in going to. And, you know, so I get, you know, those are adventures and those are trips that I will plan on my own with, you know, other friends and other photographers. And she has, you know, her group of friends sometimes where she'll just disappear off to, you know, the mountains for a weekend with her friends and they're doing their thing. That's cool. And I'm totally okay with that you guys have a great
0: relationship by the way just from the outside looking in it's 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 it seems very fluid and natural and loving and you're both super smart and confident good looking folks so it's one of those you're like okay okay the best way to
1: describe it really is supportive we we are really supportive of of what each other are are trying to do you know so i'm i'm really supportive of of you know her being a great photographer whatever resources she needs even when we're in the field and I find something really awesome, I always share it.
0: That's uh, you uh,
1: know, I don't hoard it and then man. you know, because she's going to see it and be like, Well, why didn't you say anything? Not only that, but we talked about you know, the pro- post processing. I'm going to have my own take on everything. Yeah. So is she. So it's like just be supportive of each other. And that's how we've been able to, to really coexist in this landscape photography that. realm and still maintain that. a healthy
0: relationship. That. We can end right there. I love that. Thanks, Dave. I yeah. um, love to hear that. So thanks, Nikki and, and David, for being a part of that last little bit. Uh, we, I like to end Lab with what I call the final four. So it's the final four questions. We'll do this in like a sentence or less if you can. And it'll be a little rapid fire. So um, first question is if you had – and Nikki, if you have your first child and you had to pick either her father or your father to name – the child, who would you select? Oh, I would select Nikki's dad.
1: <laughs> I mean, my, my dad's an idiot. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know, he's, he's got to name enough kids anyway. Okay.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, question number two. What is the most least expensive item that you own that you could not live without?
1: Oh, boy. I don't know. That's a tough one. Let's go back to that one.
0: (laughs) take your time. Rapid fire. What's the Um, most least expensive thing you own that you could not live without?
1: Probably my knee sleeves for CrossFit. I
0: love it. There's just no living without those things. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, got question number three is... If you were stuck in an elevator, would you want the air conditioning on or the uh, heater up?
1: Air conditioning on.
0: Air conditioning on. I run hot. Hot or cold, basically. Yep. Hot or cold. Usually people are one or the other. Yep. Okay, air conditioning air on. Air conditioning is. is. Uh, fourth question, last question. If you could write your eulogy today, what would it say?
1: Um, oh, geez. I've never really thought about how I would send me off, but I don't know. Maybe just close it out as enthusiast of the environment. Jeez, um, that's tough. Lover of nature, good husband, kind and generous, um, conservation initi- uh, uh, initi- initiatives. Um, and just, I would say a motivator and encourager
0: of positivity. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, David Danette, for being my guest today on the Y Lab. Is there anything that, that at this point, like this is kind of back end Q&A, anything over the last half hour we talked about that you
1: no, I mean, I mean, it's an honor to be on the show. And right. I, I, I think about kind of reliving some of this stuff. This is, these are things that I haven't really thought about in a long time. Yeah. But, you know, I think we all have a why, right? Why we do certain things and why we like certain things. And we're all wired a little bit differently. And I think some of the stuff that I do is wildly outlandish. And most people look at it and just like, you're just crazy, man. But for me, it's like, it's, it's what makes me feel alive. So you know, having this conversation about it, it's like, I'm just like, I'm thank God I'm going to Colorado tomorrow, man. I gotta <laughs> get out and be adventurous. <laughs>
0: That's great, man. Well, I could I couldn't be more grateful for your time being here today. I always love seeing you, no matter where we're at and what environment it is. And I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you for being on Wild Lab with me today. So, and thank you all for uh, listening and checking in and on YouTube and and Instagram and wherever you're gonna to find these podcasts on Apple or. Spotify or wherever you listen to. Thank you for making the choice to spend time with us today. I'm your host, Michael Flowers. I'm love.